Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 15, verses 21 through 31. When I'm done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus went up from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Be honest, I am not very confident in this shirt selection <laughs> this morning. <sighs> and thanks. Uh, and uh, deep things on my mind this morning. And so I was already kind of questioning it. It's kind of, does anybody have like one of those shirts that it's, it's like, Ah, I have already worn all these other ones recently, or they're all dirty or whatever. I guess I'll wear the scuba diving shirt. (laughs) And so I was already sort of feeling like that this morning, and I walked downstairs and walked into the kitchen, and Esther, Esther is my fashion daughter, and (laughs) she just... It, you know, you can always count on Esther to give you an honest, <laughs> and she just looks at me like with her eyes squinted like this, and she says, Dad, why do you want to wear a shirt with sharks and scuba divers on it? And I was like, I don't know, Esther. I don't know. It's just the one that I, that I picked out. So I'm, I'm a little bit self-conscious about my shirt. Um, <laughs> But, anyways, uh, I was, I was going to do something. I came up here to do something. Oh, yeah. Now, we have a, uh, we have a great sermon uh, for us today, I believe. Uh, it's very simple, very um, helpful, practical, looking at this passage. And, um, and let me kind of set the, the context for what we just heard in this story. Um, so, Jesus has has just told the Pharisees that, uh, that it's not what goes into the body that defiles you, but what comes out of your heart, that that's what we really need to be concerned with. That is what defiles a person. And then Jesus gets away. He gets away with his disciples. They withdraw to this area called Tyre. And um, Tyre is about... Uh, 40 mile trip or so, 35 miles as the crow flies. And so this is a pretty good distance away from the region of Galilee where they've been hanging out and doing ministry and where they are going to return to, to continue doing ministry. So, um, so they get away, and Tyre is, um, it is an area that is primarily Gentile. It's not a, it's not a primarily Jewish area. And um, and they have this interaction with this Canaanite woman. And maybe if you're uh, unfamiliar with the story, maybe you're unfamiliar with church, maybe you're unfamiliar with the Bible, you hear this story and you're like, I thought Jesus was a good guy. Why is he being so rude to this woman? 
but that's actually not the case. He's actually not being rude to this woman, and I want to help you to understand that and explain that before we jump into kind of our main uh, focus for this. So um, this, is a, uh, this is a Canaanite region, this region of, of Tyre. The historian, the first century historian Josephus, um, said that Tyre represented the Jews' bitterest enemy in these days, in the days of Jesus' ministry. And, um, and then they are interacting with a Canaanite woman, which if you're not familiar with the story of the Bible, the Canaanites represented the Israelites' enemies. And, and so this, this is a story, this entire book is a story about God choosing a people, the Israelites, for himself, and then bringing about a salvation for the world through those people. And so um, the, the Jews are the people of God. And so when Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and then she says, um, Lord, help me. And he says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This is, I know that this is confusing, but what, one of the things that Matthew's wanting us to see is what's happening here. Um, she calls him the son of David. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And at the end of this passage, we heard it said, and they glorified the God of Israel. Matthew's pointing something out here that up until this point, the focus has been on the Israelites and on um, bringing the gospel, the good news to the Jewish people. And um, back in in Matthew chapter 10, um, it says that Jesus sent out the twelve, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So what we know is that later there's a commissioning to go to all the nations, but that hasn't happened yet. And the disciples don't even know yet that Jesus is going to be a king for all nations. For the majority of us in this room who are not Jewish, that's really good news. It's really good news that this gospel came to all nations, right? And so, but, but remember, this is, there's things unfolding. That hasn't happened yet. Jesus hasn't unveiled that yet. And so that's kind of what's going on. The Jews are God's chosen people. In Deuteronomy 14.2, it says, For you are a people... Holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Um, in Amos 3.2, it says, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. And so the Jewish people are God's chosen people. And that's a, some of the background there. Also, um, salvation is to come through the Jewish people. It says, Jesus said in John 4, verse 22, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Um, and the Savior would come as a Jew to the Jews. Um, and so it says in Romans 9, 5, to them, to the Jews, belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. And so, this is why, so, so the priority for Jesus' ministry and his disciples' ministry was going to the Jews first. And that is why this interaction happens the way that it does. So I wanted to clarify that, really, before we get into the meat of what I want to what I want to talk about today, just so that this isn't a stumbling block in our minds, so that we're not the whole time thinking, but why did Jesus talk like that to the, to the woman? And, and we'll see there's other reasons that he, that he challenges, that he's testing her and challenging her as well. But, um, but that is why this interaction plays out the way that it does. Um, so what we're going to be talking about uh, in focusing on is how this woman gets what she asks for even after it looks like she's not going to. That's where we're headed with this. At the end of the interaction, Jesus says to her, Oh, woman, great is your 
faith. And so what we can learn from this interaction is what does it look like to come and make requests of God with faith such that he would respond to us and actually answer our prayers. So with that in mind, let's pray. And let's ask him to teach us. Father in heaven, it is amazing to me that the God of all of the universe, clothed in power, robed in light, hears the sounds that come out of our mouths. That, that somehow the, the words that leave our lips go into your ear. And what is more amazing to me is that you actually then respond to those words. Amazing. Oh God, help us to see how incredible prayer is. My, my, my request this morning, Father is that we would walk away from here today excited to pray, excited to come to you, to, to approach your throne with requests, and that because of this passage, because of the truths that we can see from your word, God, that we would be able to pray with faith, and that we would be able to pray through to break through in all the areas of our lives that we desperately need it. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, um, how do we overcome in prayer? How do we, when we desperately need God to do something miraculous like this Canaanite woman did, how do we break through in prayer? That's what we're going to be looking at. When we need God to come through for us or else we're in huge trouble. Or we need God to come through for someone that we love or they're in huge trouble. Um, when we are not initially given the thing that we ask for. We don't hear a response when it's been so long that we are growing weary and tired of praying when what we need is nothing short of a miracle how do we pray through that's the question that i want that i want to answer through this passage today ch spurgeon said he who knows how to overcome with god in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Isn't that true? Isn't that true that if you and I have the ability to make requests of God and that he would actually listen to those requests and respond to those requests, that it means that through prayer we have all of heaven and earth at our disposal? Now, does that stir you up? Absolutely. It stirs me up. I've been just asking God, what are the things that I should be asking for that I'm not? That question alone will take you on a journey. What are the things I should be asking for that I'm not? So, let me ask you, what should you be right now believing God to do in your life I want you to start thinking about that. What should you, if you don't have anything, then this is probably where you need to start today. God, what are the things I should be asking you to do? What are the things I'm believing you to do? Isn't this what it is to live with God, to walk with God by faith? Isn't this what it is? It is impossible to do unless we pray, unless we ask him to do things. And so, Right now, we should be thinking, God, what are the miracles that I need to see you do? What are the things inside me that I desperately need you to change? 
What are the chains that I need you to break off of me? What are the changes that I need you to do in my family or in my workplace or in my classroom or on my street? If you don't know what miracles you need to see God do, then let's start right there. My hope is that you'll leave here with things on your mind that you are excited to go and start taking before the throne and that you're going to have a game plan, a, a blueprint, if you will, from this passage on how to pray through for those things. I have a simple outline if you're a note taker. We're going to look at uh, the three D's of breakthrough prayer. So this is 3D prayer. So what it looks like to really pray with faith. I mean, at the end of the passage, as I said, Jesus says, oh, woman, great is your faith. So let's back it up and say, okay, what did that look like? What did it look like for her to have commendable faith that moved Jesus to action? So this is what praying with faith looks like. These are the three D's of breakthrough prayer. And number one is desperate prayer. Desperate prayer. Look at verse 22. It says, And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. She was crying. It doesn't say she came out and she said, excuse me, excuse me, uh, if you have a second. No, she came out and was crying desperately. It says in verse 23 that he didn't answer her a word and his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. It's getting to the point that it is frustrating the disciples or annoying them or it's making them hard to think or whatever. But they want her to go away. This is a loud, interrupting kind of prayer. She is crying out. This is desperate. And when you read through I was going to share all these, but I already have so many other scriptures I want to show you, so I didn't. But if, if you read through the Psalms and look for all of the times that in the Psalms it says, I cried out to the Lord, or day and night I cry out to the Lord, or every morning I'm crying out to the Lord, or hear my cries, O Lord, it is constant. It is right to be emotional when you pray. It is right to shed tears when you pray. And so the first D is desperate prayer. One of the things that um, I thought about, I always think about when I'm, when I'm processing prayer, is there's this story in Daniel chapter 10. And in Daniel chapter 10, in verse 12, it says that, so Daniel has been praying, okay, He's been praying, and this angel appears to Daniel. And, um, and in verse 11, I don't, don't have it for the screen, but in verse 11, it says, this angel says, Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. He says, I have been sent to you. Okay. Then he says in verse 12, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, listen to this, your Words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Don't miss this. What this angel is saying to Daniel is that the sounds that came out of Daniel's mouth produced activity in heaven. Movement in heaven. I don't know if this blows anybody else's mind, but what this says is, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. In, in other words, so angels don't just come up with their own assignments. In other words, when 
Daniel started speaking into the air, so to speak, those words traveled into the throne room. The God of the universe heard them, and the God of the universe called angels to attention. And I just picture in heaven angels lining up. I have an assignment. Daniel is praying. Do you realize that this didn't just happen for Daniel? That this is happening all the time? Do you realize that this is how prayer works? I don't think we realize this is how prayer works. I don't think I realize this is how prayer works because I promise you I would do it a whole lot more if I really understood what is at my disposal. But now I want to ask this question. What kind of prayer was this that, that moved heaven? And if we back up a little bit in Daniel chapter 10, we'll see. In those days, oh, there we go. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. That's desperate prayer. Now, sometimes I think, and I'm going to throw myself in, in with this, we want something to happen, we want God to do something, but we haven't allowed ourselves to get desperate about it. And I can tell that that's the case for me because I haven't even thought to fast about it. So I think until we're at the point where we would be willing to fast a little bit in order to see God do it, we probably aren't really at the point of desperation. So what I'm talking about here is breakthrough prayer. So you need to see God break through in some area of your life, in some area in your workplace, in your finances, in your health, in your family, whatever it is, there needs to be something big happening. God is the only one who can do it. How do I get that to happen? Well, until I've gotten desperate enough to fast, I shouldn't give up yet. I think a lot of times I throw up a few, I throw up a few prayers. I ask for some prayers, but I don't ever let myself feel desperate. And breakthrough prayer, prayer of faith is desperate. You know, it's been said that the prayers that move us are much more likely to move heaven. I think a lot of times we pray without any kind of feeling behind it, without any kind of desperation behind it, and we think, God, why won't you just do it? And he says, I'm as passionate about this thing as you are. I'm as moved about it as you are. But the prayers that move us are more likely to move heaven. And we see that time and time again in the scriptures. There's a good example in, uh, in Acts chapter 12. So in Acts chapter 12, James has just been martyred and Peter is in prison. And so the church is under persecution and Peter is the leader of the church. And he's, he's imprisoned, and the expectation is he's, he's going to be killed too. And because of that, the church gets desperate. And so it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but. But, I love that. Did you know that, did you know that earnest prayer puts big buts in your story? You know, I've got a few of these as well. I've got a few big butts in my story um, where, you know, it was going one way 
And it looked like that that's the only way it could go. But I prayed. But I got desperate or but Tiffany prayed or whatever. But big changes happened because we got desperate. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. It, this is what the story does not tell us in Acts. Just I, I know that we're not, we don't have time to study it right now, but what the story does not tell us in Acts is God was going to do it anyway. It just so happened that they prayed. No, the story tells us that because they prayed, things changed. That because they prayed, Peter got set free. That because they prayed, an angel showed up in Peter's prison and tapped him in the middle of the night and said, Get up, the church is praying. We got to go. Blows my mind what we have at our disposal. When we pray earnestly, desperately, it moves heaven. So breakthrough prayer is desperate prayer. You know, I, not many of you know this story, but um, I'll tell it the quick version. Tiffany was diagnosed with celiac back uh, in college, and she had a really severe case of celiac. She had very strong reactions to any, any trace of gluten that she would get um, accidentally. Uh, she would be sick in bed for 24 hours with flu-like symptoms, uh, usually vomiting, and basically out of commission for, for just a trace amount of gluten. But we prayed. And God chose to heal her. Miraculously, all at once. Yeah. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that God is going to choose to heal every single sickness. That's very clear that he doesn't do that in the scriptures. Paul, who was a great healer, had friends who were sick. Um, Paul himself had a thorn he could not remove. But there are instances, there are times in the scriptures and today when God decides to heal. But we have to pray. And in, and in Tiffany's case, the Lord gave us a faith, a great faith that he wanted to heal her. So much so that we, we anointed her with oil, prayed over her. The first time, nothing happened. We said, let's pray again. The second time, she said, I don't know. Don't, I don't, I'm not sure. The third time, she felt change happen all the way through her body. We celebrated right then by having communion together. She hadn't had communion in years. And, uh, and we had a pizza party that night. And she didn't have the first symptom. And she's been eating gluten ever since. So, miracles happen. They do happen today. I think sometimes we just need to be reminded that is not, I don't tell that story to, to bring any glory to us, but just to say, they still happen. There are plenty of other miracle stories in this room. And we just need to be reminded so that we will actually ask for miracles in our lives. So, what miracle do you need God to do for you in your life? Second D of 3D prayer is dependent prayer. Breakthrough prayer is dependent prayer. Look at verses 22 and 25. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. What that tells us is that as she approaches the Son of God. She knows that this is the Messiah. She says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. That she is completely aware of her sinfulness and of His holiness. 
she is aware that the only way she can approach the Holy Son of God is if mercy is extended to her. And then in verse 25, it says she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Help me. What a simple prayer. And yet it shows her dependence. It seems that she has no plan B. She has no backup whatsoever. She is 100% totally dependent upon Jesus doing a miracle for her. So she humbles herself. Dependent prayer is humble prayer. You want to get God's attention, then humble yourself before Him. It says in Psalm 136, verse 6, For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. You want His attention, then humble yourself before Him. Bow your knees before Him. Get low before Him. Dependent prayer is childlike. It says in Matthew 18, 3-4, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, um, we, this is our culture in particular. In the West, we are very, very independent. We think we have need of nothing. And yet we are blind, naked, and poor. We think we have need of nothing. This is actually the description that Jesus gives to the lukewarm church. You think you have need of nothing. We are actually in desperate need of God every single moment. And so what we need is a childlikeness. We, we need to realize that if, if dad doesn't help me, I'm done. If dad doesn't, doesn't change the situation, I have no backup. There is no plan B. It has to be him. And that is the kind of prayer that God hears. It says in Psalm 62, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And then verse 5, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. This is... This is what it looks like to be dependent upon God. And this is the kind of praying that gets his attention. I feel like, you know, for, for myself, and this is probably true for many of you, oftentimes our prayers are, it would be nice kind of prayers. Like, yeah, it'd be nice if things changed at my work, but, you know, if not, I've got to, backup plan. It'd be nice if things changed with my health, but it, but you know, if not, there's always living with it. It'd be nice if um, my prodigal child came home, but you know. And so we have this kind of like, eh, and I'm not talking about the kind of trust in God that says, if you choose to move, then good. But if you do not, I will still trust you. You will still be enough for me. That's different. What I'm talking about is, you know, it'd be nice if you did this, but I've got a backup. It'd be nice if you gave me some direction in this, but my mom also gives pretty good advice. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? There's a difference there. 
It's a difference between, I will trust you, God, whether you heal me or not. I will trust you whether you change the situation or not. But I'm expecting you to answer me. You see, when Paul had his thorn in the flesh, God didn't just not answer him. He, he, he prayed, he says, I prayed three times, and then God spoke to him. God answered him, and God said, no, Paul, no, I'm not healing this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So he got an answer, you see. And that's what makes the difference. Paul didn't, he didn't just pray three times, hear nothing, and quit. He prayed three times, and then God spoke and gave him an answer. And it was a different answer than he expected. But he got an answer, you see. But the way that we often pray is, you know, if you choose to give me an answer here, I'm going to throw this up once or twice, and then I'm going to quit. And that is not the kind of praying that this woman does here. <laughs> she is dependent on God. She's dependent on Jesus to do this, or she is sunk. The third D of 3D prayer is diligent prayer. Diligent prayer. Um, yeah, look at verses 23 through 27. So she's... She's cried out to him, Have mercy, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And then it says, But he did not answer her a word. For most of us, that's when we quit. That's when we walk away. But not her. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. For, for many of us, if we didn't quit, when we didn't get the answer, we would quit as soon as some discouragement came our way. So this has some potential discouragement for her. But then this is how she responds. She came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then he answered her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now that is diligent prayer. That is diligent prayer. Why did he not answer her initially? Why then when the disciples ask Jesus to make her go away, does he say, I've come, I've come to the house of Israel first? Why, why does he press this? And I think the answer is that it's to show us it's to show what it looks like to be a person of great faith. You see? She pressed through. She pressed through the silence. She pressed through the discouragement. She didn't get a no. She didn't hear a no and then rebel. The Lord doesn't say no. He just says, I was sent to the house of Israel. It's not right to take the food from the children's table. He is challenging her, testing her, and many times, many times, I believe God does the exact same thing to us. We come to Him with a request, and we get silence. We come to Him with a request, and we get discouragement. The thing that we're praying for, the situation we're praying for, actually gets worse. That ever happened to anybody? What's happening there? Is that supposed to be a sign for you to walk away and quit? No, not unless God speaks to you and says, I'm not doing this. That is a test. 
for you to press through. Keep pressing through. Diligently pray. It says in Ephesians 6.18 that we are to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The kind of praying that we are called to do in the Scripture is a praying that perseveres, that perseveres, that presses through. In Isaiah 62, 6-7, it says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. Watchmen were oftentimes equated with prayers, intercessors. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. What is this about? God is saying, you watchmen, you prayer warriors, here's what I want from you. Give me no rest. Don't leave me alone. Keep after me. Keep after me until you see it happen. This is persevering prayer, diligent prayer. Give him no rest. He invites you into this. He says, please bug me about it. In reality, God doesn't get frustrated. (laughs) He doesn't get bugged. But this is what he's saying. Give me no rest. And isn't this exactly what Jesus taught in Luke 11? In Luke 11, 5 through 10, we have this story where Jesus is, this is where Luke records Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. So this happens right after he teaches them what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And then he says, and he said to them, which of you has a friend who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. Are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Do we have the rest? I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, Now, that's the way the ESV translates it. But some translations say persistence, perseverance. The NIV NIV translates this shameless audacity. Because of his shameless audacity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Wow. So here's the question for us. Is my praying diligent? Is my praying shamelessly audacious? (laughs) Am I going to him saying, no, 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 God, you, you're not, you got to hear me. Please respond. I know you haven't yet, but, but I'm just going to keep on knocking until you do. I'm going to keep on asking until you give me an answer. That's the kind of praying that moves God. So, do you need breakthrough? And my guess is that there is some area in your life or in the lives of those around you where the answer to that question is yes, even if you haven't been seeing it. Because here's what happens when we cease to be prayer warriors, is we learn to make peace with all the things in our lives that we really want, that we really need God to change. And so what are the things in your life that you've made peace with that actually God wants to change? God wants you to petition him at the very least. He wants to see you press through at the very least until you get an answer on it. What are the things that you should be desperately asking for an answer on 
and you haven't been. You've, you've been. you've had no emotions about it. The ways that you should be desperately depending on God. Like a child asking, saying, I have no plan B. You alone are my hope in this situation. What are the things that you prayed for a little while about, but you gave up? You haven't been diligent. And I believe, while there are, there are other important things about prayer, I believe that these three Ds are an awesome blueprint for us to see God do miracles in our lives. The question that I keep asking myself is what might God be willing to do in my life in response to desperate, dependent, diligent prayer? And I say, why don't we find out? Why don't we find out what he's willing to do? Anybody want that challenge? The, you know what? I think, <laughs> I think probably most of us, when we stand before the throne, are going to, one of the first things in our mind is going to be, I didn't ask for enough. When we see the God that we serve and what he is capable of, and that we actually had his ear this whole time, I think one of the first things in our minds is going to be, I did not ask for enough. This woman, this Canaanite woman, she, she is an awesome example to us. You know, I kept thinking, how did she know what she knew? I mean, she knows that she knows about the Jewish Messiah, and she's she's not living in a Jewish region. Like, where did she get her information? She she calls him the son of David. She knows some prophecies about the Jewish Messiah. Whatever she knows, it's probably not much, but she comes with what she knows. She goes looking for Jesus. Jesus doesn't go knock on her door. Now, I think the whole reason, actually, that Jesus makes this detour, this 80-mile round-trip detour, is because he was seeking her out. But what this woman, all she knows is somehow or another she finds out that this Jesus is coming to her area and she decides, I'm going to find him. I'm going to seek him out. Maybe you're here this morning and you're seeking. Maybe you don't know a whole lot about Jesus yet. Maybe you're new to all of this. Maybe you're watching it online and you, this is new to you. You're seeking. You're asking questions. And the thing that I want to say to you is that you're not the only one at work here. You see, <laughs> if you are seeking him, it means that he's seeking you. That's what we see in this story. This woman who needed Jesus desperately and began to look for him probably had no idea that Jesus was actually after her all along. And so I just want to invite you to bring what you do know, whatever little bit it is. Maybe you just know I think this Jesus is the one. You don't have to know all the answers. What you need to do is come with what you do know to the feet of Jesus. Like this woman, humble yourself before him and say, you're the one that I desperately need. The Bible tells us that we, human beings, every single one of us are rebels who've gone our own way to do our own thing. We've ignored God and sinned against Him. All of our acts of evil, they separate us from God. And the consequence of all of our acts of evil is death. 
And so what the Bible says is that Jesus came to deal with that. Jesus came to pay for our sins. That, that the reason that He came is that He would take our sins. He was sinless, perfect, and He went to the cross and that He would take our sins and pay the price for them. Because if He didn't, we would have to. And the Bible says that He died because the penalty for our sins is death. And He was buried. And on the third day, He rose from the grave victorious because you cannot keep the author of life in the grave. And so he rose and he offered salvation to anyone, to anyone who would believe in his name. To anyone who would come to his feet humbly and say, have mercy on me, son of David. And he will. If you will turn from your sins and believe in him, he'll forgive you. He'll give you new life, a brand new start, a relationship with God from now until forever. So I invite you to do that this morning if you haven't. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, you're so good. You're so good to seek us out when we're not looking for you. You are so good that you would hear our requests and act because of them. You are so good, Lord Jesus, that you would take the responsibility for our sins, that you would take our sins upon yourself on the cross so that you could pay the penalty for them so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have life, true life in your name. Lord, I pray for all those in this room who are seeking you. They're looking for you like this Canaanite woman. I pray that you would grant to them the gift of faith right now, that they would come and kneel before your feet and that they would say, have mercy on me, son of David. And God, I pray for those in the room who have done so, have been walking with you maybe for a long time, maybe for a short time. But I pray that you would help us to pray like this woman, to pray through to breakthrough, that our prayers would be desperate, that our prayers would be dependent, that our prayers would be diligent. Lord, would you even bring to mind right now the things you want each individual person to start asking you to do? I pray there would be incredible testimonies as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.